your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 326 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your next order. And the Rangers, of course, coming off of what can only be described as a very disappointing loss in overtime 3-2 in Buffalo to the Sabres. It was a game that seemed like it was the Rangers for the taking. And in a lot of ways, I think it kind of reminded, at least me, it reminded me of the previous game that the Rangers had played against the Sabres just two nights earlier, because for whatever reason, this is a theme this season between the Rangers and Sabres, the Rangers always seem to slightly or maybe even significantly have the better of play, but it doesn't really show up in the score sheet. You know, the Rangers are always hanging on to a one-goal lead late in these games, and for one reason or another, they just can't seem to deliver the knockout punch to this Buffalo Sabres team that has struggled mightily this season, to say the very least. And one, excuse me, two nights after the Rangers allowed the Sabres to tie the game with just three seconds left in tonight's game, they allowed them to tie it with three minutes and change remaining. And again, you know, you were feeling pretty good down the stretch. It felt like the Rangers were mostly controlling play. But again, you're only up two to one and you realize that just one chance the other way and that can all be for naught. The game can be tied just like that and you can find yourself going right back to overtime against this team, which is exactly what happened. And then, of course, it gets to a shootout, which is even more of a crapshoot than the three-on-three overtime. And, of course, the Buffalo Sabres win one to nothing in the shootout out. Uh, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Capo Caco, none of them able to solve Linus Olmark in this game, who was very good. I mean, you do have to give some credit to the opposition where it's due. He actually has a winning record for this Buffalo Sabres team, which just blows your mind to even think about that. But I don't think we should talk a whole lot longer without uh, getting into Vitaly Kravtsov's highly anticipated debut for the New York Rangers. I thought he looked pretty good out there. I thought he looked like he belonged. And the Rangers did the one and only thing that I was asking of them coming into this game, and that was to put Krasov into a top nine role. They indeed do exactly that. He's out there on the right wing on a line that was centered by Philip Heedle and also accompanied by Alexi Lafreniere on the left wing. And again, I thought Krasov looked pretty good in this game, and we got to go right to the big finish as far as the biggest thing that happened on Krasov's night, or actually two things. There were two things that were big here down the stretch. First of all, this is after the Sabres had tied the game with three minutes and change remaining. And Quinn, he puts Krasov, Lafreniere, and Heedle out there with about two minutes and 40 seconds remaining in the game. And the puck was behind the Ranger net. It actually came loose in front. And Krasov made a really nice defensive play against Jeff Skinner, not allowing him to get a shot away. That was big because it looked like Skinner, uh, he was in some pretty prime real estate there and was going to get a shot right there from the doorstep. Krasov did not allow it to happen. And then, of course, the Rangers, they uh, get the puck into Buffalo's end of the ice. And there is a shot. The save is made by Allmark. Krasov dives to his left to get the rebound. It looked like all in one motion. He was going to dive to his left, take the shot, and just slam it into the net. And just like that, you know, Vitaly Krasov is potentially going to get a game-winning goal in his NHL debut here. But it was not meant to be because Olmark, like we talked about, he was really on his game for the Sabres 
on this night, and he dives to his right to prevent it going in. Uh, really just an unbelievable stop there. Beyond that, you know, I thought Krausoff, like I said, I thought he looked pretty good. You can see the athleticism and the speed on display. I will say I was surprised that he was in there for Philip DiGiuseppe rather than Julian Gauthier, simply because, I mean, if you're going to put Krausoff on the third line, which seemed pretty much like it was the way the Rangers were going to go in this one. I don't think he was going to unseat anybody from a top six role in his NHL debut here. And, and really, which player in the Rangers' top six would you take out of there right now to make room for a guy making his NHL debut? Probably none of them. So I think it was pretty much an open and shut case that Krasov was going to be out there on the third line for this game. And given that that was going to be the case, I figured that probably Gautier would just come right out of the lineup. Instead, what the Rangers do is they drop Gautier down to the fourth line. He's not really a fourth line type player either, but they put Gautier on the fourth line and Phil DiGiuseppe comes out of the lineup. So little bit of a curveball there, and I do wonder if maybe the opponent had something to do with it because Buffalo, not really known for being a physical team, uh, these games between the Rangers and Sabres have not really gotten that nasty this year. I mean, the last couple nights, there have been some pushing and shoving incidents here and there after the whistle, but you're always going to have a little bit of that. But certainly, uh, Rangers and Sabres over these last couple of games has not reached the levels as, you know, Rangers and Bruins this season or Rangers and Flyers. I mean, that's always one little skirmish away from getting really, really nasty really, really fast. Uh, but for whatever reason, you know, they won't go to and I will say, you know, you look at that fourth line now, and it's not so bad. You know, for a fourth line, there are some guys out there who can uh, potentially chip in offensively because the fourth line tonight was Kevin Rooney centering Colin Blackwell and Julian Gauthier. Gauthier, I still do think he has some offensive upside, although it's yet to really shine through consistently at the NHL level. Uh, Kevin Rooney has exceeded expectations really in just about all areas for the Rangers this season, uh, including the scoreboard. You know, he's, he's proved capable of chipping in offensively, and Colin Blackwell, as we talked about, he's been hot lately and uh, just got his uh, ninth goal of the season the other night. So, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, that fourth line, there's a little bit more firepower there than uh, probably the Rangers have had on that fourth line all season. Uh, we'll look to see how they play it. The Rangers have two days off. It's the only time, in fact, in the month of April that the Rangers will have back-to-back -back days off. They are off Sunday, they're off Monday, and then they play the Penguins on Tuesday, and they play the Penguins on Thursday. So we'll see... You know, it's been a little bit more heated between the Rangers and Penguins this season, I would say, than it has been between the Rangers and Sabres. Maybe Phil DiGiuseppe is out there. Again, maybe you have a little bit of rotation between DiGiuseppe and Gautier and maybe even a couple other guys. I don't think you'd take Colin Blackwell out right now because he's been hot lately. But, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see how the Rangers look to play going forward. It will definitely be an interesting storyline to track. And as for Kravtsov, I think really one of the only hiccups he had in this game was actually in the third period. The Rangers were still up 2-1 to one at this point, and he kind of let Kyle Ocposo get behind him, got a little bit of a partial breakaway against Igor in the third period there, and Igor made the save because, of course, he did. It was another uh, pretty strong performance for Igor Shesterkin in this game, and I've been saying this and saying this. I think you got to ride him until the wheels fall off, but overall... You know, if I'm going to put like a letter grade on this for Krausoff, I give him like a B, a B plus. You know, I don't want to set the bar too high for somebody making his NHL debut. There's always going to be some nerves. And I thought it was a really cool thing how the Rangers allowed Krausoff to just go onto the ice by himself for, you know, a couple of seconds at the beginning of this game, or rather before the game started. They just let him kind of skate around, take a couple of shots, just kind of breathe in, take in the moment. And uh, again, I just thought that was kind of a cool thing that they did. And Really, I mean, we should be celebrating a win in Krasov's debut. Alas, we are not doing that because the Rangers just could not hold on to this lead again in the third period. And it's another situation where they let the Sabres just hang around for too long. It comes back to bite them really for the second time. I mean, they got away with it the first game because they went on to win in overtime. But once again, you're going to overtime with this Buffalo Sabres team, which has obviously been just a flat-out bad team this season. Uh, you just couldn't find that knockout punch. And unlike... 
Thursday's game, it does indeed come back to haunt the Rangers here on Saturday. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at Built Bar on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I know that obviously a lot of people were excited to see Vitaly Kravtsov play his first game tonight, and rightfully so, and we have a quote from David Quinn on Kravtsov's debut here tonight. This was uh, during Quinn's post-game presser after the game. Quinn said, he played well, I thought he was engaged, I thought he played at a good pace, and I actually liked that line for the most part. I was happy for him, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I think for the most part, he did do well. Uh, it must also be said, however, that Krasov, and this is not unexpected because it is his first NHL game, and he is uh, in a bottom six role, at least for now, but Krasov had fewer ice time than anybody else on the Rangers. He was out there for 10 minutes and 45 seconds. For some context, the Ranger forward who got the second least amount of ice time was actually Alexi Lafreniere, his linemate. He was out there for 12.02. And uh, Julian Gauthier was out there for 12.47. But uh, yeah, Kravtsov was out there for 10.45. Did not play at all on special teams. Uh, that was to be expected as well. I think when you're dealing with somebody who's young and making his NHL debut, you bring him along slowly. I think maybe in time, we could end up seeing him on that second Ranger power play unit just because that power play unit hasn't really done a whole lot this season. The first unit plays so often. But really, I mean, it's hard to even say for sure if he could make that much of a difference because again, and it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg, but this is something I've been meaning to talk about a little bit more anyway. Uh, the Ranger first power play unit plays all the time. So this with the second power play unit, is it that they don't play at all because they can't do anything, they can't create any scoring chances, they can't put the puck in the net, or are all those things the case because they don't get any time out there? Like most things, it's probably a little bit of both, although when they were playing the second unit a little bit more often early in the season than they seem to be lately... Uh, didn't really seem to make much of a difference. That unit just wasn't scoring. So, I mean, we'll see how, first of all, how the Rangers look to uh, divide time between their two power play units. I mean, right now, it seems like the top unit is out there for about 85% of the time on power plays. I mean, that might be a slight exaggeration, but it's not much of one. So that's first and foremost. We'll see how they look to uh, kind of split the minutes between the two units. But then we'll also see if at any point this season, you know, maybe Krasov gets a chance on that second power play unit. Uh, only time's going to tell there, but I would imagine he would be brought along fairly slowly there. As far as the rest of his stats, he was also credited with three shots on goal. We already talked about the big one near the end of regulation. It looked like he was going to score a diving goal to uh, get the game winner, or what was more than likely going to be the game winner in his NHL debut, but it was not meant to be a really nice save by Olmark. Uh, kind of ruins the fun there. And he was also credited or discredited, I suppose, with a giveaway. I thought he had at least one takeaway in this game, too. There was a play in the neutral zone where it looked like he stole the puck from his guy and got the puck back in. But regardless, you know, again, I think it was overall a pretty solid debut for Vitaly Kravtsov. We'll keep an eye on his usage, his ice time, and uh, his line mates going forward because uh, a lot of people, and rightfully so, very excited to uh, finally get Vitaly Kravtsov playing on this New York Ranger team. 
Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also in this game, another couple of goals by Artemi Panarin. He scores both of the New York Ranger goals, and Adam Fox assists on both of them. He gets a secondary assist on Panarin's first goal, which occurred on the power play, and then uh, gets the primary assist on an even-strength goal late in the second period there. And, you know, what else can be said about either one of these guys at this point? I mean, really. Uh, But this was a really smart play by Artemi Panarin. I definitely wanted to call some attention to this. Uh, The goal that he scored in the first period on the power play, once again, it gave the Rangers a 1-0 lead at the time. Uh, Basically, there's a situation where, you know, Olmark is kind of off balance in his crease, and he kind of stumbles and there's a Buffalo defenseman and he's kind of stumbling into Allmark and they avoid colliding into each other but Olmark was momentarily taken out of the play and Panarin saw this he gets the puck along the boards this is not an area of the rink where you would typically shoot from but given that the goalie was compromised at that moment and he wasn't gonna be able to get back into position it was a great job by Artemi Panarin uh, realizing that and as soon as he gets the puck just throws it right at the net and uh, that's like pitch and catch for Artemi Panarin I mean he's gonna score on that and he indeed does And then the second goal, uh, Ryan Lindgren with a secondary assist. He's up to 12 assists on the season, and he passes over to Adam Fox, and then Adam Fox back to his left across the ice. Artemi Panarin slams a one-timer into the net and makes it 2-1 Rangers with just 2.08 remaining in the second period. But I want to kind of uh, further elaborate and talk a little bit more about this theme, about how the Rangers, for one reason or another, just cannot deliver the knockout punch to this Buffalo Sabres team. And of course, that cost them big time in this game, cost them a point in the standings, and uh, cost them a chance at their third straight win. So, you know, 208 left in the second period at this point. And Buffalo, on this second goal by Artemi Panarin, they actually challenge the play for offside. And this was about as close to offside or not offside as you will ever see, even when they zoomed in the camera and, and slowed it down to, you know, super slow motion or whatever it's called. Uh, it, it was really hard to tell. You know, if it if it had been called offside on the live play, then I think it probably would have had to stand in that regard as well. It's just one of those things where it's so close that I don't think there's enough evidence one way or the other to overturn it. So the call on the ice stood, which also meant that Buffalo took a penalty for delay of game in this situation. So now you're up 2-1. to one. You're the Rangers. Uh, there's 2.08 to go in the second period. You're going to be on the power play for the next two minutes. Time to deliver the knockout punch, and they just couldn't do it. They had a really strong power play here. And, well, you know what? It actually depends on how you look at it because they maintained possession in the Buffalo zone for a long time, basically the full two minutes just about. I think about a minute 40 is how long it took. And this was also true in the case of some of the other Ranger power plays in the first game against Buffalo. A lot of possession, not so much of the puck going in the net. I mean, granted, they did score one power play goal here, but 
that was partly because the goalie fell down and Panarin just shot it into the open net. But in this case, you know, the Rangers, they maintain possession. They maintain possession. And they're being unselfish. They're trying to set each other up for goals. They're working the puck around the perimeter. I get that. Um, I would have liked to have seen them shoot the puck a little bit more because I don't think they actually ended up with a single shot on this power play despite seemingly having two, three, four, like, pretty good chances to score. They came so close on numerous occasions. And this is also why I can't kill them for not shooting the puck as much. I mean, I would have liked to have seen them shoot the puck more than they did on this given power play. But at the same time, they missed by the most narrow of margins, scoring a tipping goal several times. A couple of different guys, you know, Strom, Kreider, Panarin, a lot of guys looking to set each other up for some tipping goals on this man advantage here. They came so close on so many occasions, the puck just didn't go into the net. And again, at some point, and you know, the Ranger announcers, uh, Micheletti in particular was talking about this, at some point, you just got to let it rip at the net. And I agree, but they also, uh, they were so close to scoring here, man. It, it just, the puck wouldn't go in the net. And then, to kind of top it all off here, as far as the Rangers looking for this knockout punch and not quite being able to get it, the Rangers have an offensive zone draw with just 1.9 seconds to go in the second period, and they actually score a goal. Unfortunately, it happened after the horn sounded. So basically, the faceoff is one to Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller from along the boards passes to his left to Jacob Truba, and Truba one-times it into the net, but not before the horn. And even as this play happened live, you know, I mean, the Rangers, they, they were kind of celebrating a little, but you could tell that maybe they even knew. Uh, as it happened live, I didn't think he beat the horn. And then you see the replay and you realize it wasn't really that close. I mean, it was within a second, but that's actually a lot of time when you're dealing with something like this. So uh, unfortunately, again, Rangers, for one reason or another, and this continued into the third period as well, they cannot deliver the knockout punch against this Buffalo Sabres team. So we'll see. Maybe they can do it uh, later this month. They do have two more games against the Sabres. Listen, I think we're all disappointed right now because... You play a team like the Buffalo Sabres. We know how much they've struggled this season. The Rangers, again, they have a chance to take four points off of Buffalo. They were three minutes and change away from doing that tonight before Buffalo got the game-tying goal. And, of course, when you couple what would have been two wins against the Sabres with the prior game against the Capitals, which is also a win, the Rangers could be on a three-game winning streak right now, and uh, they're just not. And I know we're still kind of smarting from this loss right now. I'm recording this pretty much right after the uh, the game ended, and it's obviously a bitter pill to swallow. But if you want to look at this glass half full, it is three out of a possible four points on the road against Buffalo. I know they're not a good team, but you got three out of four. And when you combine that with the game before that, you've gotten five out of a possible six points in your last three games. And the Rangers do play Buffalo twice more this month. So if they win those two games and end up taking seven out of eight, I think we'll all sign up for that. But they're obviously going to have to take care of business when they play this Buffalo Sabres team down the road here. Another kind of random thought that I had as this game was unfolding here, and I realize you're playing the Buffalo Sabres. They are obviously not a good team. You can't be looking for free handouts. you got to find a way to beat this team, given their awful season that they've had so far this season. But I will admit there was a little part of me that was kind of wishing that this game, especially after it was over, I mean, this is when I really had this thought, but that I was kind of wishing that this game had been played a little bit later in the season, just a little bit later, just past the trade deadline, because Linus Olmark was really, really good in this game. He stopped 28 of 30 shots and, you know, obviously kept the Sabres in it. Uh, but you know what? He's also a free agent when the season ends. And given that the Sabres are going absolutely nowhere this season, I think it's pretty much a slam dunk that they will trade him at or near the trade deadline. And, you know, the trade deadline now is what? About nine days away? Yeah, nine days away. And he's about as sure of a bet as anybody to uh, be traded 
before that trade deadline happened. So had this game been played a couple of weeks later, I don't think we would have been having to go up against Linus Omark. And again, I realize no excuses. He's still got to find a way to get the job done. But uh, a guy who obviously does not seem to be very long uh, for the Buffalo Sabres ends up basically stonewalling the Rangers in this game, turning in a very nice performance and uh, obviously playing a key role in helping the Sabres win this game in the shootout. As far as the overtime period, I didn't really think there were a ton of great scoring opportunities either way. I mean, when you consider that, you know, you're obviously playing three on three, there's obviously a lot of open real estate out there, and the Rangers have so many talented players, and, and really, you don't even need uh, a plethora of talented players. You play three on three, you figure there's going to be some scoring opportunities. I don't really remember in this overtime period, uh, at any point, you know, kind of jumping out of my seat or anything like that. There weren't really, I mean, there were a couple of scoring chances, I guess, but none that it really looked like the game was about to end. I mean, I know that Truba had a pretty good shot, and Omar got a piece of it with his glove, knocked it up into the netting. So I guess, I mean, that was a, I guess, medium danger scoring chance. And then, uh, you know, the Sabres had a chance or two. Thompson had an opportunity from the slot area. Uh, Igor got a piece of that and deflected it out of play with 39 seconds left in the overtime period. But again, none of those that looked like they were truly ticketed for the back of the net for either team. And this was actually the second straight overtime game between the Rangers and Sabres where you could say that. Now, obviously, the Rangers ended up winning the previous game in the overtime period, but they did it with about 27 seconds left. And to that point in the overtime period, there had not been that many great scoring opportunities. So I thought it was kind of more of the same here. And this one, unlike the last game, does indeed get to the shootout. So you're going into the shootout and you got to figure it's going to be Panarin and Zibanejad. They're going to take two of the three shots for the Rangers. The thought that I had was that they would probably go back to Capo Caco because if you guys remember in their most recent shootout, Caco actually let off and he indeed scored and that keyed the Ranger win. The Rangers defeated the Flyers 3-2 to in that game, but this was actually tonight only the third shootout for the Rangers this season. So again, Panarin and Zibanejad, it's basically a slam dunk. Uh, they're both obviously highly skilled players and they are both fantastic in shootouts. But the million dollar question was who was going to take that third shot and it ends up being Capo Caco. And again, you know it's interesting that they let off with Kako against the Flyers. And at the time, Quinn said it was, he didn't want there to be too much pressure on Kako. Just let him lead off, let him go out there, take the first shot, not have too much time to think about it, go do your thing. And it worked. But then in this game, for whatever reason, they had him shoot third. And it is true that in shootouts on any given night, your third shooter may not get a chance to shoot at all. You know, if the Sabres score two goals in their first three tries and the Rangers don't score any in their first two, then your third shooter's not even going to have a chance. But I don't know. I think if I were Quinn, I would have not messed with success and just had Kako lead this thing off and then go to Panarin and Zibanejad after that. But they don't do that. And as it turns out, the only player to score in this entire shootout was Thompson for the Sabres. Uh, he scored in the second round. He moved to his right, moved to his left and slowed down quite a bit. But then he suddenly sped up and just put his shot just inside the post, he went glove side and beat Igor Shesterkin. Uh, Panarin had already missed. He made some crazy moves on the doorstep after he went in very slow. But uh, Olmark basically just hung with him and uh, stopped it with his glove. And then, of course, Thompson scores. And then you've got Mika Zibanejad. He makes a couple of moves on the doorstep. Olmark with a nice left pad save. Uh, basically just gave him nothing. Uh, Igor Shesterkin comes up with another save against Middlestat. And then, unfortunately, Kako and... Listen, I know he's trying to make some moves. Obviously, Omar has had a very strong night in net for the Sabres. It's not going to be easy to beat him. You got to do something to try to fake him out, try to deke him. But you got to put the shot on net. I mean, it was just, it was disappointing to see Kako not at least be able to put the puck on the net. And again, I realize shooting it straight into his bread basket doesn't do any good either. 
But to just not even get the chance, I mean, I could do that. You or me could do that. We could skate in there and, uh, you know, just not put the puck anywhere near the net and not score. And I realize there's more to it than that. And Capo Cackle, I'm not going to kill him for it, but, man, you know, it just... It's it's a it's a gut punch because you're feeling like this could be a big moment for Kako. It could be a big moment for this Ranger team. He scores here. He prolongs the game. Maybe the Rangers can still pull this thing off. And then you see the puck. You know, he goes in there. He makes a couple of moves. And you see the puck just sliding wide of the net. Just not even a shot. So, unfortunate. And not all on Kako, obviously. I mean, this game never should have even gotten to overtime. The Rangers had several opportunities to deliver the knockout punch, particularly there at the end of the second period, then also in the third period. And then even though they didn't uh, deliver that knockout punch, they still had a chance to basically just run out the clock and get a 2-1 win and just get the heck out of Buffalo with four points. Unfortunately, they don't let that happen. Uh, Artemi Panarin actually gave the puck away near the end of regulation there along the boards and follow the bouncing puck. And it goes right to Olafson, and he scores the game-tying goal with just 3.41 remaining. So uh, just not a good night for the Rainers here. It's a game that you really felt like they should have won. And again, I realize they've gotten five out of their last possible six points, even with this overtime loss. But by that same token, you're playing a bad Buffalo Sabres team. You want to get the win. You want to get two points. And you know how critical every single point is right now because the Rangers, they got some really good teams in front of them. I know we keep talking about this, but it bears repeating because we are getting down toward the end of the season. This was the 20th to last game of the Rangers season here tonight. We really are getting down to the wire here. And so every point is just so big and you feel like you can't afford to leave a point on the table in a game like this. When you're leading a bad Buffalo Sabres team with three minutes and change remaining, a game that you probably have had the better of play overall Got to get two points. The Rangers didn't do it, but they do have two days to regroup from this and then back in action on Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. Puck drops at 7 p.m. for that one. The puck will also drop at 7 p.m. on Thursday. The Rangers will be playing the Penguins on that night as well. And as for the rest of this week, I mean, this is going to be released on Sunday, this episode. This will count as the Monday episode. And then on Tuesday, you know, we'll be back to talk about whatever. I'm working on lining up a couple of guests for you guys this week, so we'll see how that goes. And yeah, we'll just kind of take it from there. But uh, that's going to do it for tonight. So once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.